0: Welcome to Never, Ever Give Up Hope. Our world today is really different than it was a year ago. And there is absolutely no doubt that during these past few months, life has presented itself in a very particular way. We are now living in extreme times, and it is deeply affecting people's minds and their well-being. Today with me, I have a guest who is going to share how we can handle the good and the not so good that is happening in our lives today.
1: Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham.
0: Never ever give up hope. And you know, each one of my guests has done just that. No matter how difficult or extreme the circumstances were that they were facing, they never gave up. And as a result, they became successful as victors instead of victims of their circumstances. Each one of us has a story. And when we share our stories, we help others who possibly have endured similar stories. Each one of my guests also gives encouragement and tips on how to survive. And I thank my guests for taking that opportunity to share their stories. Sometimes it's very difficult for them. But as a result, they give us insight and tips on how to become successful in whatever we decide to do. So I thank my guests, each and every one of them, And I thank my listeners because without you, we wouldn't have a show. With me today, I have Claudia De Nino. Her mission is to help people create positive and lasting change. Isn't that exciting? Especially with their mental health. And I think in the light of what we're going through right now, as I said on the top of the show, this is essential. Their mental health includes trauma, anxiety, PTSD, depression, addictions, grief, and abuse. So welcome, please, Claudia.
2: Oh, thank you, Carol. Thank you so much uh, for reading your show today. A great opportunity. I've been really looking forward to this moment.
0: And you know how much I love your accent. Thank you. I could just listen to you. I won't talk. I'm just going to listen to you because it's beautiful. Thank you so much for being on Never Ever Give Up Hope. So let's start with what made you decide to leave your homeland of Chile and move to Canada? Well,
2: it goes really to my passion of learning. I'm a lifelong learner. I o- I'm always involved in one sort of training or another. I always feel like the more I enrich my life with new learning, new experiences, the more I can reach the life of my clients and therefore the beloved ones. So I came specifically to take training in forensic science as part of my journey, I guess, to end up at some point working with first responders. So yeah, came here. Met my husband, and, well, I'm still here in Canada.
0: Let's, let's just back up for a second and tell me about the studies in forensic science. Where did you want to go with that?
2: Back then, in my country of origin, Chile, back in 2004, there was going to be um, a renewal of the legal system. And the legal system was uh, willing to invite more psychologists to be present as part of the court process. And sure enough, I wanted to be ready for that with as much expertise as I I could offer. So I wanted to have a deeper understanding of the forensic field in general. And yeah, so I found um, the place and the right place for me to, to get that training. So I came to Canada because of that.
0: Did you go to, did you check out all of Canada? I know that's a vast country or did you decide to just go to the West Coast?
2: There was a lot of um, great comments about the, the lifestyle in BC and especially Vancouver and how beautiful Vancouver is. So, and around that time, I had some people around that that I knew. So I thought it was a great opportunity to to study what I wanted to study and at the same time being in a very beautiful place, very quiet environment. So. Um, that made it easy.
0: What was the first thing that you did when you came here to launch the career that you wanted in Canada?
2: Well, that's uh, that's quite a story because when I wanted to start my career in Canada, uh, I found out that there, there were issues with um, qualifications, if we call it that way at that point, um, certifications because I, I have a degree in psychology in Chile, from Chile, and then... Um, system is different. We go to university for full seven years at least. Uh, We don't have the bachelor's plus, So it was a little bit tricky trying to have all my studies recognized as such here, which is pretty much equivalent of a master's degree. And I was a little bit in the middle of nowhere. So I struggled significantly in order to to actually get a job as what is called here clinical counselor. I know in other states of um, Canada I will be called psychologist, and in my country I was already a psychologist. I had this permanent bottle inside of me thinking I should not go back to school. I should not do anything else because I am already a psychologist. But the breaking point was when I thought to myself, okay, Claudia, where do you see yourself from now to 10 more years? Are you going to continue struggle thinking that are you already a psychologist and you shouldn't be doing this or that? Or you go back to school, finish a master's degree, um, because my my motivation was being back working with people. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to go back to school. And for now to 10 years, I will say, okay, I had to be back in school for three or four, and I've been working for six. And... That's what I did.
0: Did you find any cultural differences that were really difficult when you came to Canada?
2: Oh, so many, so many. I mean, from family environment, from social environment, everything is so different. And this is something that is very key because it actually actually improved my learning from the cultural perspective, and how what we had set in our minds, what we at some point understand as the normal everything else could be considered as this is wrong, this is not the way, and therefore your body, your mind, experience that as a negative environment. So I learned a lot, I gain a very rich understanding of um, the multicultural concepts when it comes to counseling.
0: I can only imagine that that took some time as well to feeling comfortable.
2: Oh, yeah. It it was uh, a process, a very interesting process. But through this process, I also started to work with people who are deaf. And even though they were Canadians, yeah, I, I have learned a little bit of sign language in Chile, although I discovered that here in Canada, I mean, each country and sometimes each province or each town could have a slightly differences in their, you know, their language. And so I spent at least five years working with deaf people. Most of my coworkers were deaf and they had their own culture. culture. They, they grew up in Canada, but the way that they learn about life and how they relate to each other and their understanding of life is different than a regular hearing person. So that gave me again a new great opportunity to add to my understanding about the multicultural um, aspect of counseling.
0: I think that might be partly your passion to help others. And I'd like you to expound a little bit on that because it's not only for those who are deaf, but I believe that you have a driving passion. To help people. That's correct.
2: I've been working in actually in so many different fields. I've been working in addictions. I have worked with people with depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, first responders for sure, Um, Violent Women Support Services, you name it. Because again, my passion goes mainly towards the fact that each one of us has that inner power. And once we learn how to use it, we can overcome whatever life is presenting. Having said that, we are going through very unique times right now when life has presented something completely unexpected for general population. And it's not that we are going to change what life will present, but the better equipped we are, the better we can respond to what life presents. So
0: what can we do as individuals, as groups, as a, as a nation, as a world, as a community, to endure, to understand, to overcome problems in our new world environment.
2: One of the biggest challenges in these times is set for your mind. If your mind feels stable, you will be able to go through with whatever life is presenting. Now, having said that, I know that there has been a lot of people exposed to family members, dying friends, close ones. But still, for majority of people, once you have taken the steps of, having said, the washing hands, wearing masks, staying social distance, and you know that you will go through some difficult times by like having to isolate, the stability of the mind, that will set everything up. Some tips for that. Something that I call mental flossing. You know, we have the general understanding that if you brush your teeth on a regular basis, you can avoid cavities. But how often do we take care of our mind? So, some techniques, right. some, some techniques I can easily help you with that is... Um, some breathing techniques. There is amazing information from the aspect of the neuropsychology how uh, proper breathing techniques, as simple as they can be. If you engage into an image that at, at some level inspires you, if you connect to it on a regular basis, you can actually learn to target feelings that will benefit your mind and your body. Um, All those type of things actually are connected to the power of your mind, whatever your mind presents to your brain, your brain will go as you wish.
0: And how are you saying that this relates to our current situation?
2: Because as I mentioned uh, at the beginning, these specifically these times are going to challenge the mind once you have taken all the technicalities, you know, you have considered the technicalities about how to take care of yourself. If you are um, in quarantine, if you can't see your relatives, uh, if you're permanently concerned, those are valuable feelings are expected as humans. But then if you go beyond that, and you try to keep your mind in as much harmony as possible, That is one of the biggest things that you can do at these specific times. So, Carol, something crucial that I would like to mention to your audience today is the fear factor, I call it that way. When we are in constant fear of anything from, I'm gonna have a panic attack, or I'm afraid of depression, or I'm afraid of dying, or I'm afraid of, you name it. What we are doing is really exacerbating a thought, materializing a thought. I usually tell my clients, I give them this example. I have said, have you ever seen this inflatable device that looks like a huge noodle with arms? In, in Canada, it's called the tooth man. And sometimes you see it also at car sales places and it just moves from side to side. It looks like a huge giant. If I were a three-year-old and I'm walking and I see this, right away I will fear that in such a way that I will create in my mind images about this giant coming and suddenly grabbing me, eating me, I don't know, the worst things could happen. So the same is with thoughts. If I were to disconnect that inflatable device, to tube men, then the three-year-old will see, hey, this is just a pile of rubber. Actually, I have nothing to fear about. When it comes to thoughts, we are permanently experiencing fear for things that are actually not happening and they may not even happen so if we are in this constant fear of thoughts we are just losing any possible power to overcome what's happening so at the end of the day that thought is just a thought it's just a pile of rubber on the floor that means nothing unless you use them on (laughs) on your benefit as you create the most beautiful thoughts that will create the most beautiful chemistry in your body and that plays completely on your favor.
0: Very good illustration. I really appreciate that wonderful analogy. What would you recommend that people can do to change their state of mind from a negative to a positive one? Because there's so much negativity around everyone right now and Um, The ones who have experienced loss in particular, as you mentioned, or fear?
2: I will say that um, noticing, or or what I call really body awareness. Your body is permanently sending messages to your brain. If you are something as simple as noticing how your shoulders are, how your body language is, Mm. uh, lifting your chest up. I usually trick my clients, telling them, open your arms move your chest up to the sky, like if you're saying thank you um, and think about something super, super sad. 100% of people will tell me, well, yeah, I can think about something sad, but I can't feel sad. Then if I tell them, okay, sit, um, look to the floor, um, curve your spine, and think about something sad, highly likely they will end up crying. So um, in addition to breathing, visualizations, awareness of body language, all of these things together can significantly improve how you're feeling from the understanding that we are only humans. Of course, we are living something, we're going through a process in which, you know, our words are upside down. But still, if we don't take care of these details, we will be feeling way, way, way worse.
0: Now, do you guide people in this respect? Like, do you have one-on-one counseling or do you do group therapy or, like, in other words, how can someone tap into what you are offering and what are you offering?
2: So, um, I still see people online. I see them one-on-one. I'm not doing groups at this time, although I have done in the past. Uh, But we go specifically through a very detailed process of guidance for people to learn how they can tap in their inner power, for them to learn to control and to direct their minds to what their target is. If their target is, I want to feel better, I want to feel happier, I guide them to, to go there.
0: That's excellent. I think that so many people are asking that question right now. What I'm hearing regularly is I'm so tired of everything that's going on. I want change. When will we find change? What you are saying is change begins with me, correct?
2: That's exactly. That's exactly, and I love the fact that uh, once we understand that the change starts with me, that I can have access to my inner power, first of all, becoming aware we have it, and second, learn how to use it. Then the next step is just targeting where I'm going.
0: Tell us about your work with first responders. I find that really interesting because I do know some first responders who have a great deal of problems, even in their marriages, because of their career and what they have to, what they see, what they have to uh, be involved with on a daily basis. So you really tweaked my interest when you said that you work with first responders. Can you share a little bit about that, please?
2: Yes, for sure. Um, So first responders in general are exposed on a general basis to traumatic events, to things that um, general population, of course, we don't even get close to. Uh, As such, if they don't have at some point the tools to manage um, the stress that they are exposed to, this starts slowly mm-hmm. to undermine different aspects of their life. As you said, uh, it could be the relationship with their kids, uh, with their partners, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. In this specific um, topic related to first responders, uh, you will find that often in the past that is changing significantly nowadays. You will expect um, a first responder to be a superman or a supergirl, depending on the type of job they have. So in the past, first responders, they were just not talking about any issues that they will have. And if you're not even talking or becoming aware on how things are affecting you, they, they will start showing up in different ways, either for physical um, illness, um, of course, mental illness. This has become too extreme to a uh, first responders committing suicide. And the work that I do is, number one, getting back to the concept of, as a human, I move within the spectrum, what I call the spectrum of well-being. Uh, and within the spectrum of well-being, accepting the fact that I am exposed on a regular basis to something extreme that spikes my cortisol levels. of spikes my stress level significantly. If I take care of this, if I target, if I define what my target is, what is my goal when when I decided to work as a first responder, my, my goal is to help to save lives. If I keep that frame of mind, that's going to be the most meaningful part of it. If I reinforce that part, I'm not here necessarily to become a hero, but to do the very best I can. Then once you have created a different frame of mind, people will tend to respond to that more than to the things that may not work perfect.
0: Then they must come, become better at their jobs as well
2: well they become better in so many different aspects actually as parents, as partners, as friends because they are able to be more present in their lives.
0: And do you do this like uh, do you have counseling sessions or are they included like for example like uh, at a fire hall or something like that or is this all like a one-on-one kind of a situation?
2: I work with these um, online um, one-on-one sessions and the techniques that I use um, are the result of 18 years of experience and 18 years of training. So um, um, it's not by chance that I became a yoga instructor as well because you can't separate the mind from the body. If somebody, let's say in the times that I was seeing people one-on-one, I wouldn't say you can come you know your mind can come in your body can stay outside in the waiting room because that's impossible so when we target somebody's well-being this includes everything from the chemistry that you produce with your thoughts with your, their perception of your environment with what you eat with how you sleep everything everything is a result of a chemical reaction that and uh, and again i know that you have repeated this several times but once you learn to put all these pieces in place everything once you have defined your target this is how i want to feel this is what i want to be then everything else starts falling just like domino pieces
0: could you give us possibly an example of someone um that you saw a huge change like a metamorphosis almost between what they were and what they were going through to after the sessions and what they became.
2: Okay. Um, this example, um, do you want an example related to specifically to first responders or it could be any oh, what, traumatic experience?
0: Whatever. Yeah. Traumatic experience example would be good.
2: Okay, so the first one that comes across is um, a person who experienced sexual abuse uh, as a very young child, and he said to me, actually, I can talk about it, and if I talk about it, I feel like I'm just reading a story.
1: It hmm. doesn't
2: trigger emotions at all.
0: Interesting. Another
2: person, oh, sorry. Um another person, for example, who was a complete germaphobic, complete germaphobic. I think I was, we were a little bit too successful because even through this time um, of coronavirus, he's not even that concerned about it. (laughs) So that's the one that actually made me laugh a little bit. And I said, you know, you couldn't have done a better job.
0: That's a good so, example. Excellent. So there
2: are really there are really changes that are significant. People that report after one session, um, uh, seventy or eighty percent um, fading of their anxiety,
0: after even though one they have session. anxiety
2: after even after one session.
0: Excellent. So in summary, is there anything that you want to say to encourage whatever you would like to share and kind of summarize what you do and what you hope, what you offer the audience and what you hope to achieve with them?
2: What I offer the audience is learning skills. That's what I do for people. Uh, I teach them skills. So I don't believe in that system of counseling that creates dependence. I am with people for as much, as long as they need me. I teach them the skills. Once we are both sure that my clients are using their skills correctly, then they can be on their own. Because I truly believe in the inner power. I don't believe in victims. And usually this doesn't come across very nicely when I mention it the first time. Because it's not that I can't relate or I can't understand the suffering that somebody may have gone through. But right away, I feel your past doesn't become your fate.
0: Hmm, I like that. Your past, mm
2: -hmm.
0: I'm just going to repeat it. Your past does not become your fate.
2: Yes. And having said that, uh, I guide people to discover that inner power to overcome whatever that has happened to them in life and the results, they experience them right away, they know them, I teach them to trust themselves, because I can say as a therapist, the most beautiful words about, oh, with this therapy, you're going to be happier, no, it's how do you feel, you can decide, you had one session with me, how do you feel, people have to learn to trust themselves, it's not about trusting me, it's trusting themselves, I'm just the guidance and they get themselves to wherever they want to go.
0: You're absolutely right. It is our choice, isn't it? Whether we take what we learn and use it or forget it. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been most refreshing. And I really appreciate the tips that you have given the audience today, because this is a message that we really need to hear. And not only do we need to hear it and practice it, but we need to pass it to others. So I really appreciate you coming on to our show today and for everything that you shared. And if there's any last words that you would like to express, go for it.
2: Yeah, I I would love to offer to your audience. Um, the possibility of have a complimentary session with me. Okay. And I will, I will let you decide, Carol, how we do this. But I would love to offer uh, a complimentary um, session with me on on online session. So. Um, All <laughs> right. So what?
0: It. Sure, that's an excellent idea. What we'll do is on the web page after, uh, the show notes are up. Then people will people can tap into that. And if they're interested in that, you can uh, put a link on there and they can be directly connected with you. So that definitely is something that we can do for you. And I'm sure that my audience would be most appreciative. Mm. So thank you again for being on Never Ever Give Up Hope. I look forward to getting positive feedback. Please, if this has been an encouragement to you today in any way, let us know. We need your feedback and we appreciate it. And in this time in particular, we need to uphold and encourage one another. So thank you again for being on Never Ever Give Up Hope.
1: Thank you for listening to Never Never give up hope featuring Carol Graham did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to quitting was never an option Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one so please subscribe and review this podcast a rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated remember if you are still here there is always home.